Welcome to Season 4 of The Farcast, bringing you experts and insiders every week to help you navigate the economic and investing landscape. Now, here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to The Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. Here we go, folks. April the 8th. 2021 and the stock market continues to move higher the 10-year treasury has actually rallied a little bit and it's it's uh, looking a little bit looking a little bit better uh 1.63 percent on the 10-year treasury that means that the prices have gone up since last week on that 10-year treasury remember we were up around 175 or so last week well now we're at 163. the other thing we saw last week folks was refinancings mortgage refinancings fell 20 percent as these rates moved higher so people buying homes and getting new mortgages are price sensitive a little bit of a stop there uh and We'll, we'll see what happens, whether uh, this sort of 175 level will be the actual top high for the 10-year or whether we indeed go higher to maybe that 2% level, as a lot of our very smart, well-experienced guests have suggested. So markets are moving higher. NASDAQ has rebounded here in April, and we see a bit of a rally here. The dollar's holding in strong. What do we make of this in markets now? Let's go to our great friend, Kenny Polcari who is the CEO of Case Capital Advisors, the voice of the New York Stock Exchange for many years, and my much, much older friend uh, in, in our business. Kenny, happy birthday. Kenny turned 60 years old. What is it, two weeks ago, Kenny? Yeah, the 29th. Thank you very much. I the appreciate 29th. it. The 29th. Happy birthday, Kenny. 60. Uh, uh, Holy uh, God, that's old, Kenny. I'm I can't counting the hours until you turn 60 in 16 days, Michael. <laughs> 16 days, you're going to turn 60 yourself. <laughs> April 24th, folks, I turned 60. And, and I'm totally fine with it because Kenny is still a month older. And by the way, Insana's a week older than Kenny. So No, no, uh, Insana's two days younger than me. Oh, no way. Is He's he really? born the 31st. I'm the oh 29th. He's the 31st. So you're even older than Insana. Than Insana. I know. I know. So, okay, so you're older than me, uh, <laughs> Insana. Wow. You know, when they started doing that thing on CNBC where they were going to do foreign and sauna, he just started calling it far and wide. <laughs> I kind of I I like it. He's fun. He's such a great guy. And he he's pokes fun guy. at his show. How long yeah. have we known in sauna? We've known in sauna 30 years. Easy, yeah, haven't we? Easily. Yeah, easily, easily for me. Yeah. You know? Okay, Kenny, you heard me talk about markets actually doing okay. NASDAQ's coming back. Jim Murillo last week says that he thinks we are back to a serious rally phase for the NASDAQ. This isn't just some sort of hedging sawtooth pattern going sideways and maybe making a new level here or backfilling from its big pullback. He thinks it's a significant turn higher. What do you think? Well, uh, listen, I think if the Fed is able to control the rate and, they're and they keep saying they're going to do it, they keep saying nothing to worry about, then I think money will fly back in the NASDAQ. I do, because uh, they're the high growth names, they're the sexy names, they're the ones that certainly provide all the excitement. Uh, but I tend to be cautious. While I'm still long the high tech names, I've, I've pared back a little bit. And just because you, you, made, the, you made the comment, I'm now 60, so I'm playing a little bit safer this year, right? Doing that value thing. But I do believe- Wait, wait, wait. Has that changed like in the last two weeks here? I mean, is that what we're saying? A week, 10 days ago when you turned 60, you decided I, you're getting a little no. more conservative? <laughs> no, I've been, for this year, I'm actually playing that value play. That's kind of how I thought from the very beginning. I thought this was going to be a year where value was going to replace- Do you growth. have a rocking chair? Uh, do I, do I don't have a rocking chair, not yet. No, uh, or not yet, uh, but look, but look. If I was thirty years old, I'd be all growth, all in. Forget about. What do you think about it, right? But I'm sixty. Yeah. You're soon to be sixty, right behind me, and so therefore, you ha you can't be you can't be haphazard, right? You have. I still have growth be. in my portfolio, but I can't be eighty percent high growth names. I just can't. I'm sixty years old. Come on. Would you be a hundred percent in equities, or are you buying bonds too? I've got a very small position in bonds. Ten percent of my portfolio is in bonds. Everything else, I'm in equities. Because I still why like are you in equities market. if you're 60 years old? I mean, what happens if the market drops in half? Well, is the market going to drop in half? I guess it could drop in half in a day, right? We've sure, it could. What if it drops in half? What if because, it falls 50 percent? Well, because listen, I have confidence in myself. I don't think that's going to be the case. That's why I'm in, right? And I if need it to did, make up. okay, but I'm let's not look nearly at... as successful and wealthy as you are. So I need to wake up. Oh, a few, very few people are. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, 
There's Gates, there's Buffett, and Farr. Oh, really. and then there's you. Gates, oh, Buffett, you're Farr. Such a and they, just, they just they just throw our names together all the time. I mean, they just you know it's just all the. And so okay, so look, what my, I'm trying to get actually to a serious point because yeah. a professional investor like yourself yeah. has the emotional fortitude to ride through a downturn. Correct. So if the stock market really, if if all of a sudden we fell. Uh, 12,000 points, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we fall, uh, you know, if, if we did that and fell by basically 11,000 points, a third, 30% on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, yeah. uh, fell 11,000 points, a lot of people are going to be freaking out. Now, you oh. and I are not going to be happy, but you and I sure as hell aren't going to be selling down 11,000 points, are we? No, but part of my portfolio, listen, I have I have more stability in my portfolio. They're not bonds necessarily, but they're big blue cap, you know, it's telephone, it's... Um, uh, uh, it's telephone, it's Procter and Gamble. Johnson I have and names Johnson. like that, Johnson yeah. and Johnson, names like that, which will provide some stability. Now, listen, they'll get crushed if the market gets crushed too, but not as much as Tesla or Shopify or Spotify or Amazon's going to get crushed, right? Have you heard this new? Have you heard this new buzz thing that the that the? I love the kid portfolios managers who make up this stuff. The thirty-year-olds are now calling the like the, the, the Johnson & Johnson, the list of stocks you just mentioned, Procter & Gamble and so forth, they call those long duration stocks. Long duration. Long duration stock. Duration's a bond term. It's never been used with stocks. But now they're saying, this. I have more of a long duration portfolio. What a load of, but okay, but I actually like it. So I'm going to steal it and say, I own a lot. Blue chips are so yesterday. I don't own blue chips anymore. I own long duration, long duration. stocks now, Kenny. Oh yeah. my God. Okay. So I have I had not heard that though, but I do. I, and it's it's cute. Long yeah, it is cute, stuff. but they're doing it. This is a buzz thing on CNBC now. So uh, okay, so you look at your portfolio. Do you change your expectations for your long duration stocks or and you have some higher beta names mixed in there? I know you right. own Apple. You said you never right. sell I own it. Apple, I own Microsoft, I got JP Morgan in there. I've got, like I said, a telephone in there. Listen, telephone's paying almost a seven percent yield, and it doesn't go anywhere. Where's it go? Goes up and down, you know, maybe a buck over over the last six months, but yet it pays seven percent. It's constant. It's stability. Um, but no, uh, 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 I haven't really changed my outlook because I think this year it's about value. So I think those stocks are actually going to do very well. Now, if suddenly something happens and the market starts to rumble and get uncomfortable, you know, then maybe I'll, I'll make some small adjustments. But for the most part, I'm comfortable, you know, where I am in terms of my age, where I am in terms of my career, and and where I really think the market's going. So two things. One point, first of all, when Kenny talks about telephone, that's uh, it's almost anachronistic. It goes back to the time when AT&T was the biggest stock in right. the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And when Kenny and I started in the business, you didn't need to look at what the Dow was doing. You right. just needed somebody to tell you what telephone so, it traded at on that day. And right. this was before the breakup, folks. So there was no, you know, Bell South and all of that other stuff. Can you stuff. imagine? And those it stocks was don't even, it was those telephone. Those stocks don't even exist anymore, right? All the baby bells are gone. Gone. So there was there was telephone, and that's right. what you called it, AT and T, and and it was the biggest stock in that index, and you, that's all you need to do. Where did telephone trade? You knew what right. happened in the Dow. Right. So, uh, Kenny, two weeks ago. Uh, I talked to Steve Weiss and Jim Labenthal. And one of the things that Weiss said that I really like, Kenny, was the toughest, one of the toughest things to do as an investor is to see the turn, is yeah. to recognize the turn, whether it's at a top or whether it's at a bottom. And even while we're seeing it, we might be so married <laughs> to that stock or trend moving in the other direction that we we miss it almost on purpose because we don't want to admit it to ourselves. Right. And so how you say, stay objective enough to see the turn. And so based on that notion of seeing the turn and thinking about what Urio said last week, that the NASDAQ now is moving into a new leg of a bull market. I'm not convinced we've seen the turn yet. Do you think you're seeing a turn in this market? Uh, are you, you're talking about a turn lower. Is that what you're talking about? I don't care. No, he'd uh, say turn lower or higher. Right. No, I still think, and this is what I think about our coming earnings. And I think I said this to you before the, before the, I think the market's got room to go. I think yesterday's release from Jamie Dimon, shareholder letter ahead of his earnings and all the very positive bullish outlook was his way of kind of tipping the market saying, listen, we're coming out with blowout numbers. We, we're bullish on America. We're bullish on the economy. We're bullish and we're going to do really well. And I think that's what that little leak was yesterday. And so therefore, 
uh, I, I don't think, I think we still have room to go on the upside. I don't think we're turning yet at all to the downside. The only reason it's going to happen, it's going to happen quick. I think when it happens, if suddenly you get like tomorrow's PPI number, right? If PPI suddenly is stronger than the expectation, like it was a couple of weeks ago when it caused rates to spike because everyone started talking about inflation again, that's when I think you're going to see this very swift turn in the market because I do think the market's a little bit pricey up here. I do because it hasn't really pulled back. Okay, but um, we did see a pullback in tech, right? Right. For the first quarter, we saw a pullback in tech. We saw yeah, a lot of the FANG stocks come down. Well, yeah. And it's rallied back. So it's, so that's my question. Yuri right? is that over with now or are we going to see back and forth there? I'm, do, is uh, it a new tomorrow where tech's going to run away again? No, I don't think tech's going to run away again because I do think that rates are going to go higher, slowly, whatever. But I think the next the, the next inflection point is going to be 1.85% and then 2%. And I think that's going to be a headwind for the tech names. I don't think it's going to be a headwind necessarily for the value names. When you throw out those percentages, you mean on the 10-year treasury. Tenure, on the tenure. So when we see those yields on the 10-year treasury you think they're going to have a greater impact on the tech names i th absolutely i think they have a greater impact on the tech names because the tech Why? names are the one because the tech names are the high growth names the high value stocks that have gotten well ahead of themselves and i like tech don't get me wrong but i love to, it you have to understand as as rates move up like that and if they move up quicker money is going to go to people are going to take money out of the names where they've got the most gains and that's going to be in those tech names and there's they're a big sell, difference they're not going to sell telephone and johnson and johnson right away they're not uh, and, you know, a lot of the times, uh, Telephone and Johnson and & Johnson and Procter & Gamble are flight to quality that, stocks. Exactly when they want right. to get out of the junk, you and know. And they'll buy, they'll buy the long duration names. The long duration names that are also decent dividend plays. That's so correct. All, all of all of those things are true. So here we are, Kenny. And, and as you, you and I were talking just before we started recording, we've got the S&P 500 within a whisper of 4,100 on the S&P. 4,100 on the S&P. It's been a good year yeah. uh, this quarter. You yeah. know what? It's been a good year here in the first quarter uh, and into the first week of April. And, 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 and so uh, where do we go from here between now and December 31st, April 8th to December 31st? We've got an economy heating up. We've got a reopening. We've got the vaccines. We've got all of that stuff. We've got higher rates coming. They say they're going to have inflation. They say the Fed's going to let this run hot. Janet Yellen is saying she's going to let it run hot. We've got more legislation coming through. Where do you think this means for the year-end return on markets? And what do you tell Fred and Ethel? And then we got to go. So uh, listen, I think that uh, I thought from the very beginning at the beginning of the year that if the market returned somewhere between 9 and 12% this year, overall, broadly, that's where we're going to be. Now, look, the S&P is already up 9%. And we're four months into the year. But that doesn't mean over the next two or three months, you can't run into that headwind. You can't run. The market might pull back, churn a little bit, pull back. It'll pull I, back. I, I think the by the end of the year, we're going to end just where I thought we were, which is, you know, up 9%. So we're going to end right up here around 41, 41.50 maybe is where I think the year is going to end on the S&P. That'll be a 10%. Then you add in dividends, you're more like 12%. That's what I'm going to tell you. You're going to think I'm crazy, Kenny, but I think it's going to be a 20% year. Do you really? I do. Oh, good. I, think I better it's go be and a buy some more. Year. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a 20% year uh, because uh, you've got earnings growth at 24% got revised up for the S&P 500. I understand some of the futures priced in, but I think this reopening's hot. And if the Fed sits on their hands, as long as those guys say they're going to sit on their hands, if they do it, and that's my big F. Right. If. I don't think you keep a cap on this thing. And yeah. and and I hope I'm right. But I, uh, you look, I, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I don't make bets. I don't trade things frequently. Uh, I invest. I'm here for the long term. If it doesn't move from here, I'm just fine. If it goes up 20%, I'm singing the hallelujah chorus. You're uh, better. And uh, I mean, you know, what the hell? If it closes flat or goes down on the year, I'm a long-term investor. I'm going to stick doing what I do and, and be just fine too. So uh, without moving around a whole lot, uh, I still have to uh, formulate an opinion. Kenny's is one of the, um, you know, most experienced opinions you're going to hear, but listen to what he says, Kenny, it's a balanced portfolio. Right. It's blue chip stocks, some opportunistic stocks and a little bit of bonds at 60 years old. Right. Uh, listen, again, if I were 30, it would be a different, it would be a different mix, but you I know understand. That. And listen, when I get to be 60, I may rethink my portfolio, <laughs> but for right now, I'm going to stay. 
<laughs> you're you're going to move into the long duration. For, and, uh, for, for right now, horizon. I'm going to I'm going to stick with my young man's plan. <laughs> Kenny Polcari is CEO of Case Capital Advisors, my very dear friend for a whole lot of years. Kenny, thanks for being on the forecast, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be back with Dan Mahaffey from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress, our senior political analyst on the forecast. Please stay with us. Michael Farr and the Farcast are proud to support Heroes, Inc. Heroes supports the spouses and children of law enforcement officers and firefighters who gave their lives in the line of duty to the greater Washington, D.C. community. Their singular goal is to honor the supreme sacrifice made by these individuals by caring for their families. Heroes' work begins within 24 hours of the tragic loss and continues indefinitely. We invite you to learn more about Heroes' mission at heroes.org. We hope that you will consider supporting Heroes as they endeavor to honor those who protect us. That's heroes.org. Heroes, here for you, here for good. And now, back to the Farcast and your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back to the Farcast, and now here's your host, Michael Farr. We are back with our great friend Dan Mahaffey from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress, also our senior political analyst on the Farcast here in our fourth season, April the 8th, 2021. Welcome back, Dan. Hello, Michael. Happy April the 8th to you. Happy April the 8th to do. It's my uh, Aunt Catherine Keogh's birthday today. So it's uh, Kathy Keogh today. Keogh Day. Uh, I think across the world, Kathy Keogh Day. Uh, my uh, uh, my absolutely favorite aunt, uh, because it's her birthday, and when it's one of my other aunt's birthdays, it'll be they'll be my favorite aunt. But today, Aunt Kathy's my favorite, my 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 favorite aunt. Uh, I also someone sent me a cartoon of, uh, uh, and we we were told that we had to say aunt and not aunt. By the way, I had a grandmother who was just wrote us all hard on that. Uh, we had to call her Nana, not Nana, Nana. She sounded she sound like one of those people from Baltimore is what Nana said, whatever we would say, Nana. And if we said aunt, uh, those were the people from East Baltimore and that was even worse. I don't know what she had against Baltimore, but that was the, that was the rub there. So uh, it's uh, Aunt Kathy, but uh, my aunt or my aunt, it's a, and the cartoon I saw was these uh, uh, three uh, large women with um, uh, tool belts on and uh, it, uh, the caption said carpenter ants. Uh, A-U-N-T-S, Carpenter Ants. Uh, so I don't know why. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, right. I know, there we go. I know, I know. Here we go. So now to the forecast, Dan. We've got um, uh, Janet Yellen telling us we need an international corporate tax minimum because she doesn't like the race to the bottom. And it sounds to me like she doesn't like uh, a competitive market forces setting uh, tax rates in order to try and win over business. We're gonna make sure everybody gets taxed everywhere and then nobody has to really uh, leave the US for a better tax environment, it sounds to me. Then we've got China who's come up with a, its own cyber currency. I thought that those cyber currencies by and large were anonymous. I bet China's <laughs> uh, not gonna be anonymous. And not, then the, finally, not the Chinese model, certainly not. No, uh, Chinese had then no an anonymity in China. And then finally, uh, there's a big push uh, through a, uh, the operation in Bessemer, Alabama, for uh, workers in Bessemer, Amazon workers in Bessemer, Alabama, to unionize, unionize, unionize. Those are those, them's fighting words typically in Alabama, but not right now. And we're going to talk about that. Dan, where would you like to start today? Why don't we start with uh, Secretary Yellen and those proposals on tax? We can go from there to the international picture and then wrap up with uh, prime delivery at the end. I like that prime delivery. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, I, I was hearing uh, this morning about Amazon building a building a new plant over somewhere on the eastern shore of Maryland. Huge plant. They that they're going to build their own bridge span. Jeff Bezos has 
plans to build his own bridge span, and they're going to be able to have drone deliveries, air drone deliveries to Washington and Baltimore. I immediately told this guy who was explaining this to me not to Washington. He goes, no, yes, to Washington. I said, drones are illegal in Washington. They, the airspace will not allow it. The White House, the government, the everything else, no way. They're still driving trucks well, into Washington. He goes, oh, really? Well, maybe PG County. I said 30 mile radius outside of that White House. You're, you're not getting too much further. Well, than all unless that. Amazon becomes the fifth branch of government, but then we'll, uh, you know, we'll we could it outsource out. government. to You know, years ago, I suggested we should outsource government to Goldman Sachs. I mean, they do a very good job at anything and they take half the top jobs anyway. Why not just outsource it? It'd be cheaper. They'll run it yeah, very just, efficiently. Just, just hand it off, you know, a, uh, mix, a mixture of the two. Uh, people are people are wondering why they bother to listen to me. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I do, I do go off on my tangents. The international corporate tax, what is she right. trying to do, Dan? Well, look, the OECD has been now at this for a decade, trying to find some way to harmonize international tax and Look, there's the Ireland's, the Netherlands, the Luxembourgs, the the lovely little islands around the world, uh, where where tax havens and and corporate tax policies have created what are seen by some policymakers as a race to the bottom. And as the OECD has put these proposals forward, I think you have to put Secretary Yellen's proposal in context of what the others are actually putting forward, and then you won't think she's actually being so extreme. Okay, let's go there. So the OECD is the Organization of Economic and Cooperative Development, right? That's the main, main the Western industrialized countries, 37 members of the That's OECD. The main talking shop for those there. And, and what they've been doing is trying to find this process to uh, achieve harmony on taxes. And some of the things that have come forward now at the OECD level, proposals that you know, talk about a, a global tax pool that is then redistributed back to Why countries. Why are they against free markets, Dan? What's wrong with letting everybody set their tax rights and letting business make their decision? Well, there's many of them who have seen that the, this race to the bottom is meaning that some countries are doing much better than others in getting this revenue and that the loss in tax revenue for these governments and Many of them are European, so there's also a uh, skepticism of big U.S. multinationals that's baked into this as well, uh, have thought about this as a way to, to level that playing field. And in Washington, too, where some of the corporate tax picture is coming into focus, and Congress, I don't think, will go along with the president's corporate tax plans, but this is another way to say, look, we need to create a way and a structure for corporate tax to get the revenue that governments think they need for their uh, operations. And So we're so talking about a leveling of the playing field among governments? Yes, a leveling of the playing fields. And, and it, you know, the ones where it would help the United States, the, the ones that would probably well, be Why will it the help most, the United States? Uh, and some of that revenue that is made by U.S. companies would be in the U.S. rather than Dublin. Well, but it's at 20 percent right now. We're now competitive with everybody else uh, uh, under the last uh, under the last uh, tax break. So we, we well, get the Irish are down 20. around, what, 12.5 now. So they and they were taking a lot of our businesses. I mean, a lot of yeah. our businesses were, were moving their corporate headquarters to the lowest tax environment. But look, Dan, people are doing that in the United States as well, right? Well, they I mean, do you've that got from state to state. You you have all right? these things that you know that everyone's going to find tax law and structures better in Delaware. Sure. I mean, there are a lot of lot of uh, you know uh, Nevada politicians trusts will, are politicians will build their systems and lawyers will find ways to game it, and I think companies will will move on. I, this well, it's is, the American way, Dan. It is. God it sakes. is, and I and I say I'd say it's interesting <laughs> to see how the the U.S. is looking at this because there are things that are going to come down the pike. Uh, proposals for taxes on U.S. tech companies operating in Europe. There, there's all these other taxes that that could be inflicted upon American companies that we need to be aware of. And what is part of this negotiation is how do you structure uh, a broader Western economic system, and taxes are a part of that, that stands as a counterweight to a eventual Chinese bloc. You you kind of sound like you agree with 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 this. Uh, I, can't I don't tell if you I do. don't agree with the exact proposal. It's one of those ones where I'm agreeing with the intent, but also trying to remember, of course, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, well, no uh, question about it. 
I mean, okay, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead in, in, in defense of the free markets. And this could be some ignorance on my part, because I promise I have not really read and drilled down into the details that I'm sure actually Mahaffey has, by the way, folks, because uh, he does, he, he's very diligent and he's, he's very bright, which is why we listen to Mahaffey, right? But uh, I, I, I still think a competitive, uh, a competitive landscape, but market forces will seek the, the right level. And um, uh, there's a reason that Ireland has gone to 12% and it's been helpful to Ireland, right? Mm -hmm. Irish economy has boomed since they made it friendly for business to come there and do business. I, I, get, I guess I just am struggling to have a right. problem with that. Well, and we, we have to remember too the context that large, many of these initial proposals, you know, the there will always be the slippery slope counter argument, but also many of these initial proposals generally target the top 100, top 250 multinationals. There are cutoffs, but again, that politicians always like to make those numbers bigger and bigger as time goes on. We're burning through all of our time. With we, I mean, we're almost out of time and we haven't talked about the China, Chinese cyber currency. Let's go there. Then talk about Amazon unionization. Then we got to get out and get Les, Les Munson in here. Les Munson's in segment three, uh, our great guest and great friend of the Farcast. So uh, Dan, you, and you, well, please stay with us for that segment. But Dan, uh, tell me about China's cyber currency. I, I thought this was one of the anonymity was one of the great things about cyber currency. There's China's not going to be an option. Certainly, sure. There's with Bitcoins and others like that. But on the other hand, there is the crypto yuan. They want to move forward on a cyber currency. Uh, China's moved ahead in many ways in e-payment systems and Alipay, big players there. Uh, but as that ecosystem developed, uh, the Chinese government looked at the the massive amounts of data that you can have from these uh, transactions that you can track every piece of currency moving through an economy in real time. It, it's oh. like the Orwellian economists oh, uh, dream, dream huh? as well as getting around U.S. sanctions. I know where your money is. Yes. So there's a there's uh -huh. a win win. Uh, and also for Xi Jinping, the, the third win to this is he can also track all the money moving around and all the other tiers in the lower apparatchiks and cadres and party members. So corruption and blackmail of the people within the ruling uh, structure, if they use this, is also available in real time. Okay, so, I've just given this careful consideration for me and my family, and we're going to pass. Yes. On the on the cyber you want. But a lot of Chinese citizens and a lot of people who want to do business with China in the future will not have a voluntary option if the Chinese follow their usual model of rolling these things out. Uh, and this is something where U.S. policymakers need to be aware of the security risk, the economic risk, again, the, the dollar-denominated transactions being so important to those aspects, uh, as well as what we've done falling behind in cyber currencies. Now we, we spent so much time. Yeah, talk, talk to me about that. How, we, well, we, we, we've fallen way behind, haven't we? Well, we on this we, and a lot of other tech. Well, we've assumed it's a lot. We've assumed there's always the, the Bitcoin side of it and those, the Doge coins and those funny currencies. Uh, but there's also the, the factor that, you know, Facebook tried to create Libra and, you know, kind of drew fire from every direction on that. But Others have tried to say, look, there needs to be a way to move a, a currency for the cyber domain, for lack of a better term. Uh, and there's others who talk about it. You even see it now, currencies in video games are being traded, uh, or you can pay your kids allowance in Minecraft or Roblox or other things. So digital currencies are happening. Regulators need to get, get with them. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and, and you know, some of these just online digital, I understand the difference between an online payment uh, system and then uh, a digital currency, I do, but it is amazing. I know I sound like a, a real codger when I say this. It is amazing just to Venmo my niece Margot yesterday, a hundred bucks for her birthday. I mean, boom, done. And the kid's thrilled and I'm getting a note back. Thank you, Uncle Michael, for the hundred bucks for my birthday. Also my goddaughter, uh, so that, you know, you get. No, she gets an extra 50 because she's a goddaughter. Her parents made a good decision there. I've got nine godchildren, by the way. I must have looked much more trustworthy in my youth. <laughs> I think that's my only, my only conclusion. Okay, look, Amazon's getting ready to unionize. We are way past our time. Right. I'm going to, so maybe- Your godchildren are going to unionize for another 50 bucks. 
I think, I think they actually have a meeting every so often where they go, you know, can, don't you think it's time we reset the uh, Christmas card rate from 20 bucks to 50 bucks? I mean, some of them are well into their thirties and, and, and I still send them the cards. I still send them the cards. They're that's, in their thirties. They've got children. They've got a group of them. Yeah. They still get their cards. All right. Uh, coming up, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Lester Munson, principal from international BGR group. It's a big government relations firm. He's a Washington's insider, insider, one of the brightest and nicest guys we ever talked to on the Farcast. When we come back, Dan, you're going to stay with us? Stay. I'll be standing by. Wonderful. Uh, we're going to be right back. Please stay with us. Thank you for joining us on the Farcast. And now back to your host, Michael Farr. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, our great friend, Lester Munson who is a principal in the international division at the BGR Group, a leading government relations firm in Washington. That's code for lobbyists. It's a big lobbyist firm. And Les is a Washington's insider. Insider uh, was uh, in the Bush administration, was in Capitol Hill, was a chief of staff for a senator, uh, Mark Kirk of Illinois, by the way. Um, if you want to know what's going on in D.C., uh, you can certainly, uh, you know, we talked to Dan Mahaffey and we also, when we can, when we can get him, when we can twist his arm, we get Les Munson. Welcome back, Les. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. You are great to be with us. Les, uh, lots going on around the world right now. We've got talks, nuclear talks still with Iran that we're sort of having, but we're not, we're having them with Iran, but we're really not having them directly with Iran, we're having with go-betweens because nobody wants to lose the face to say that we're actually talking to each other. You know, there's something in these international <laughs> relationships that, that for the, you know, in diplomacy, that for the life of me, I will never, ever understand. There are troops amassing, Russian troops amassing on the Ukrainian border. And Dan Mahaffey also tells us he's, he's learned uh, that they are jamming a lot of the GPS signals in that area. So you can't really take, get a clean look at what's going on there. Also, ships amassing in the South China Sea, uh, putting pressure on the Philippines, putting pressure on Taiwan, and also trying to establish that uh, dotted line of nine uh, through they have these sort of made up islands the Chinese have dumped out there uh, trying to looks like uh, claim some sort of new additional maritime sovereignty sovereignty. Uh, so Les, where do you want to start because there's not much to talk about of course. Well, and we we could add uh, military buildup in the Arctic. Uh, yes. where the Russians and the Chinese are uh, are up to no good things in Greenland are heating up amazingly. Uh, rare earth minerals and that kind of thing. Plus, there's the crisis on our border with Mexico, uh, where the number of crossings is at a near all-time high, probably due at least in part to the rhetoric of the new president. Uh, and he's got a real political dilemma. Let's start there, because, there. you know, President Biden said recently, there is a seasonal thing that happens every year where the numbers build up and that this is just a seasonal thing. This uh, actually, these numbers are higher than seasonal things, aren't they? Yeah, this is, uh, we're looking at numbers higher than they've been in a couple of decades. There's a real crisis on the border. There's a real problem uh, with law enforcement issues and security on our side of the border because of all the activity. Sheriffs are alarmed. They, they're writing letters to their representatives and to the president. Uh, this, is, this is a genuine crisis. The U.S. Agency for International Development, our, the foreign aid arm of our government, has yes. sent a disaster team to Central America, to the so-called Northern Triangle countries, where a lot of those immigrants are coming from, to help address the local issues that are that are causing them to, you know, to walk or drive 1,200 miles north. So there's there's a lot going on. It is not a seasonal thing at all. Uh, how does that turn? What, what changes? Because we see where the trend is going. The trend's getting worse. So how? I guess when you see a trend that's getting worse, you want it to stop. What stops that trend? Well, you know, these, these things are, uh, do come in waves. Uh, how big this wave is going to get, we probably don't quite know yet. Uh, there's going to have to be a reckoning. The, the president is going to have to get a little tougher. He's going to have to deliver some tougher messages. Instead of saying, don't come now, he needs to just say, don't come, stay home. This is not the right thing to do. Uh, right now, he's kind of holding out hope that folks who, who make that trek can somehow get into the U.S., 
legally or extra legally. And that's that's just not a good formula for anyone. This this problem on the border is not going to go away. It's a humanitarian border. Uh, it is a um, it's a political hot potato. Uh, but I think there are, are going to be very few winners out of this. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, and I'm not sure the right answer, except that we need to defend our borders and have legal immigration. This country needs immigration economically. We really need immigration. And indeed, we're a country of immigrants, legal immigration, and we need those controls. So uh, I, I, I will uh, continue to say my prayers for all of those people who are vulnerable and at risk and all of those children who just break my heart and hope that we can find the right solution there. It doesn't seem to be an easy one at hand, do you think? No, it's not easy. It's very complicated. And we can't look to, I mean, of course, we will put pressure on our elected representatives to do the right thing. This has happened before. They're unable to reach a compromise to move forward. We had an issue about uh, eight, seven or eight years ago during the Obama administration. Right. There was actually a bipartisan solution in Congress. They couldn't even get it done then when people were a little bit more flexible. It's getting harder and harder. Kamala Harris, our vice president, has been given uh, the authority by the president to deal with this crisis. It's it's both a huge challenge for her, but also a huge opportunity. So if she can show she can handle a complex issue, marshal executive orders, direct all of the agencies that are involved there to do the right thing, deliver some tough messages, arm wrestle with the far left because they're they're really not helping at this point, then she could she could that could really positively impact her stature in Washington. Or a big risk to it too. I mean, she Absolutely. messes this up. I mean, it's a horrible thorny issue, and, and uh, mo nobody's really figured out what to do with it yet. And it could be a lot of egg on her face if it doesn't go the right way for her. Let's move on. Iran nuclear uh, discussions um, seem to be kind of happening, but it isn't it awfully clear that Iran doesn't want to tell anybody anything it's doing to enrich uranium and pursue its nuclear ambitions? I mean, now aren't they just saying, yes, yes, talk, 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 We're, we'll have a bomb soon and you all can go pound sand. Now, that's my, well, it might be a little sophisticated interpretation of what the Iranians might be telling us and the rest of the world. Do you think I'm off on that, Les? I do. I think, uh, in fact, the Iranians don't really want a nuclear weapon. What they want to what? do is, uh, that is correct. What they want to do is make everyone think they're seeking a nuclear weapon, which they're doing a very good they job. They got me convinced, yes. That's right. Uh, actually, getting the nuclear weapon doesn't really help them as much as kind of all the stuff we're willing to give them to stop them from getting there. And they're going to play that out as long as they can. They do this very well. Uh, the administration's kind of falling for it and kind of not falling for it. This, these negotiations in Geneva are happening a lot faster than people thought. All of the parties are at the table. It looks like something, I'm starting to get the sense, uh, this is my own idiosyncratic reaction, that something could happen fairly quick here. That Every, will say the, what? That will say what, Les? That will get us back into the 2015 original nuclear deal, at least in some fashion, as some sort of holding pattern before there can be an extension of the deal and more concessions made to Iran. The administration's already talking about uh, sanctions relief for Iran. They're already pulling military assets out of Saudi Arabia. No one is saying it's directly related to what's going on in Iran, but it obviously is. The administration is willing to make some tough decisions to get back into this thing. And I think it's gonna happen fairly quickly. Why are we taking this bait? If they're actually not going to do it, why why are we why are we following down with all of these concessions if they're really not going to if 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 it's that well known? Because I saw Dan Mahaffey nodding his head when you were saying they really don't want the, uh, the nuke; they're just trying to mess with us as a negotiation tool. I mean, you two guys are the only guys in D.C. who get that. Well, that's entirely possible. Dan and I are right about a lot of stuff. <laughs> you are very bright, which is why you're on the forecast and you've got great insights. Mahaffey, you two are the only two who know? Well, no, part of it is too, you you get so much more by always being right at the threshold of having one than actually. And then once they have a nuke, the question becomes, okay, how do you plan on delivering it? And even if you did, uh, the Israelis are going to make sure Tehran becomes glass. So once they do have the nuke, they're locked into traditional deterrence architecture rather than anything that gets you these goodies. Kim Jong-un is still shooting fireworks in the air uh, over there. Well, they're uh, bad we shit don't... insane. Huh? 
they're batshit insane. That's all. That's part of it too. There is the the that that's just part. That's pure keeping the regime alive with through nuclear blackmail of the region. So that's a technical term that I'm with which I'm actually with which I'm familiar. I was going to say I was unfamiliar, <laughs> but no one would believe that. Of course, I'm familiar uh, with that level of insanity. And uh, they're not they're not really having much success. I did talk to someone uh, fairly close to the NSA and said, um, yeah, they're not going to have any success. Uh, we figured out exactly how to take over those systems and put them down whenever we want. Now, you need to be 100% and not 99% right with that. But so far, I'm being told we are putting those things right in the water. I mean, it's uh, not necessarily a propulsion issue. Is that what you guys are hearing? If you're talking about North Korea, I have heard North Korea. things. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes. Okay. They seem to be uh, having very reliable problems with their missiles. Yes, uh, and whenever we're involved, and I God keep those reliable problems coming. Moving on to the uh, whatever the Russians are doing with their troops and whatever the Chinese are doing with their ships, both are threats to that region. And ladies and gentlemen, when we see these threats build, we watch closely because disruptions uh, politically can certain mean, certainly and will mean disruptions economically, and that will matter to Wall Street. So we're not just going on some political bend here. We have to watch this stuff and understand it. So uh, Les, China or Russia, pick one. Well, let's talk about Russia. Um, you know, there, let's talk uh, about Russia. I like let's that. talk about Russia. Uh, there, there was this uh, thought in Washington for the last four years that we could play footsie with Vladimir Putin and somehow persuade him to work with us in containing China, that you know, in the in the big geopolitical question of it would have worked with Gorbachev. It it kind of did. Yes, right? yes, did, it he, did. He was willing to come over, and he would accept a fellowship at our universities and stuff like that. A nice fella. Uh, Putin's not like that. He's a gangster. He's a thug. He hates the United States. He's not going to be that guy. Uh, I think, at least to this administration's credit they're aware of that. Now, what they're willing to do about it, we may find out sooner rather than later. The Obama administration was not willing to do much to defend the territorial integrity of Ukraine. We'll see what, what uh, the Biden administration is willing to do. Uh, Vladimir Putin has not changed his stripes. He remains a very aggressive thug. He's going to keep putting pressure in places until he sees, until he gets punched in the face, really. And um, so we're going to have to see if Joe Biden's willing to punch him. Help, help our listeners just understand once more uh, the value of Ukraine to Russia. It's a, it's a huge port and outlet, correct? I mean, that really is a highway uh, for Russia, Russian troops, Russian goods, uh, services. I mean, that's a, that's a very big port country. Have I got that right? That's, that's, Staging that's area? true. That's true. There's also a great cultural affinity between the two countries. Ukraine and Russia used to be the same country. Russia arguably started in the territory that is now Ukraine, but also there are energy politics going on here, right? Yeah. Russia is a big energy exporter. Ukraine is a threat to their energy exports. When, when Russia is trying to deliver energy resources to Europe, the competitor is Ukraine. Yes. So the more they can put pressure on Ukraine, the more they enrich themselves. Some of this, a good chunk of this is actually energy politics. Got it. Energy politics. Moving on to the Chinese, uh, their new islands, uh, their uh, uh, military ships and Navy are uh, uh, massing in the South China Sea. They're threatening both the Philippines and uh, Taiwan. Uh, what's going on there? What, 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 did the, what did the people in the Philippines do to China. What's going? What, what are they doing to China? Well, they they made the mistake of of being within a few hundred miles of the Chinese coast. China is is very location, uh, you know, location, location is what absolutely. you're telling me. Got absolutely. it. It's like it's like uh, what would a restaurateur think? Yeah. Uh, you know, you you've got what Nancy uh, Bubis, Nancy uh, uh, Taylor <laughs> Bubis tells me all the time about Georgetown property. You know, location, location. So the Chinese have figured that the Philippines have a good spot, huh? This is their near abroad. It's the first island chain. They're very, they're very focused on Taiwan, of course. There's a lot of talk about possible uh, uh, outbreak of military activity vis-a-vis -vis China and Taiwan. I suspect that's not what we're looking at. China's not gonna be that provocative. They're gonna keep pushing around the margins. They're, uh, they're also distracting us from their re-education campaign and uh, uh, encampment of people in Xinjiang province of the Uyghur population. 
They're trying to distract us from the crackdown on democracy activists in Hong Kong, which is ongoing, and the crackdown on businesses there. So, so China's pushing on, on any number of issues. They want to see how the administration responds. And then back here in Washington, the, the Biden administration and Congress are both kind of doing the same thing. They're looking for ways we can push back against China in a sensible way that started really under Trump in a more, shall we say, uh, emotional, reactive kind of way. People are, I think, are taking a little bit of a deeper breath and trying to come up with a more comprehensive, intellectually coherent approach to China. Not sure we're going to get to the perfect place, but it's going to be a little better thought out than it was a couple of years ago. Let's let's talk about Taiwan just for one second. You know, Taiwan shares of Taiwan Semiconductor have done very well, and then they have pulled back. We've looked at a semiconductor shortage uh, here in, in the supply chain, certainly through the beginning of 2021. We certainly we saw it at the end of 2020. Uh, semiconductors that go in automobiles and so many things, so many computer chips, powerful computer chips that have stopped production on several levels. If Taiwan is really threatened, and, and Taiwan Semi has other production plants, but they still produce a hell of a lot in Taiwan, uh, that's a big problem. And markets and economy uh, are a problem. Hong Kong is a very important economically as a business center in Asia. So are you, are you giving us the insight that this is not going to reach crisis levels? Is that your read? And Dandy, will you agree with that? Less first. I, I don't think it's going to reach crisis levels. I think this is this is a slow turning up of the heat, and and where we're really going to see the bubbles start to come up from the bottom of the pot is on pulling apart these supply chains. The administration is going through a lot of internal reviews uh, inside different departments, looking at sectors of the economy. Where can we disengage from China? Where do we have to disengage from China? Who can we rely on? What countries can we rely on to be part of our supply chain? That, that doesn't touch on China. What are gonna be the impacts on American businesses who are trying to sell things to China? There are, there are a whole bunch of questions. Believe me, this is going to be a, a wonderful festival for the lobbying industry as well. Uh, but it's, you know, good uh, public servants are going to try to find a way forward here that best advantages US national security infrastructure and other critical areas. Semiconductors are obviously the, probably the number one issue in that regard. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and guess how I think this will end up, but there's there's a lot of activity in the administration. I think it's going to take at least a year to kind of sort out. Meanwhile, Congress is going to start marking up bills next week that, that will be working on the same thing. Chuck Schumer's leading a bipartisan effort to deal with the challenge from China on the economic level. So we're, right. we're going to start to see a lot of news coming out next week from Congress. There's going to be activity in the administration, but I don't think it'll really be sorted out for a year or so. Okay. Uh, finally, let me just ask you, on, on the scale uh, that keeps you awake at night of one to 10, things that keep you awake at night and worry you, scale of one to 10, 10 being you're wide awake all night. Uh, let's go, uh, scale of one to 10, Iran. Les? I would say it's a three. Dan? Two. Ooh, okay. So ladies and gentlemen, we're not worried about Iran. Just forget it. Forget about it, as we say in Jersey. And troops, uh, Russian troops in Ukraine, uh, less. I go four. Really? Six. That's not going to be a big deal? What did you say, Dan? Six? Six. Six. You think they're going to go into Ukraine? You think they're going to do something? Less, you don't think they're going to? I think they might. Uh, and I think we four, four matters to us, but it's not an existential threat to our way of life. No, well, okay, not an existential threat to our way of life. Uh, Dan, you think they will go in? I think they will go in, and I just, uh, uh, maybe not way of life, I just see a little bit more of the further unraveling of European structures if there's not a good response to Russia on this, if they do go Does forward. the Biden That's administration respond? It. Biden administration respond less? I think the Biden administration, if they have learned the lessons from, from the Obama administration, where we had a weak response, we were unwilling to send weapons to the Ukrainians. If they have learned that that was in fact a weak response, then I'm actually fairly optimistic. The Biden administration has very good relations with Europe, certainly better than the last administration. They can galvanize a more unified front against Russian aggression. If they're a little bit tougher than Obama, I think that's a pretty good response. Yeah, but when, for God's sakes, you got Russian troops amassing on the borders, when are you gonna send them a gun to defend themselves? Well, hopefully we're still, we're sending them right now. <laughs> 
We generally don't put that on the front page of the paper, but hopefully we're doing that right now. All right. Well, we'll watch the front page of the paper. Uh, and then let's talk about the ships in the South China Sea on our one to 10 scale there. Uh, and we'll start with Les again. I put that at a six. Six. You're much more concerned. Dan Mahaffey. I'd have that at around the same six. It just has that all of those situations, the Ukrainian border, the water uh, there in the South China Sea, there, there's those moments and opportunities for miscalculation that keep me up at night. With U.S. ships in close proximity as well, right? Yeah, the old line from uh, you know the Hunt for Red October is the ships get closer and closer. There's just less uh, less margin for error. Less margin for error. I always like the one. Uh, I don't know how Sean Connery, with a Scottish accent, got to play a Russian using his Scottish accent. He couldn't even fake a Russian accent. It was such a good movie, though. Uh, God, God bless Sean Connery. But. Uh, there are things in here that don't react well to bullets. That's great. Great. I would like to have seen Montana. I would have liked to have seen Montana. That's what they're going to be saying in Taiwan if we're not careful here. Finally, uh, on one to 10, and I'm going to get out of here now because we're over time, but this has been so fascinating. I always learn so much from both of you. Thank you so much for being with us on the forecast. I know our listeners love it and they do send notes about that. So thank you. Uh, also, thank you for the notes, Farcast listeners, on my anniversary, Laurie, and I appreciate your good wishes from last week. That was last week. Um, and uh, and she, she still hadn't kicked me to the curb yet. There's good news there. Uh, in terms of an infrastructure bill that will happen, uh, scale of one to 10 from both of you, north of a trillion and a half dollars. Les, you think it will? Seven. Seven. I think seven out happen. of 10, 70% chance. Dan? Eight. 80% chance. We're going to be yeah. watching that. We are we're going to be working our calculators to figure out what that's going to mean, of course, to Wall Street, Washington, and the world. Thanks so much for being with us. We're done for another week. We will see you again next week. For Harry Jennings, everybody at Farm Miller in Washington, Dan Mahaffey, Les Munson, and of course, Kenny Polcari. Thanks so much. Please share us on social media. From Naples, Florida, I'm Michael Farr. Thank you for listening in on this week's edition of the Farcast, and thanks to Michael's guests, Kenny Polcari, Dan Mahaffey, and from the BGR group, Lester Munson. We hope you enjoy the show as much as we enjoy making it for you. We love hearing from you every week, and we try to respond to all of your notes and suggestions. You can reach us at hjennings at farmiller.com. Let us know any questions you have and topics you'd like to hear us cover in future episodes. The Farcast comes to you weekly and is produced by Michael Farr and Harry Jennings and is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all major podcast platforms. We would like to remind you that the Farcast podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal or financial advice. The information statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed and provided in this podcast, including by speakers who are not officers, employees, or agents of Farm Miller in Washington, are not necessarily those of Farm Miller in Washington or any firm any of our guests may represent. Any mention of a specific security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell, and please be aware that past performance is not a guide to the future performance of any security, index, fund, manager, or strategy. We strongly recommend you review with a financial professional before you make any investment decision. And we can be of assistance at Farm Miller in Washington. Please reach out to me at hjennings at farmmiller.com. We are here to help, and I'll be happy to put any of our listeners in touch with one of our investment professionals for a complimentary review of your portfolio and your investment goals. Take care, stay safe, and stay healthy. We'll be back with you next week. Go beyond the headlines each week with the Farcast. Wall Street, Washington, and the world.